Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish. Today, I have a special episode to share with you. I've recently had the honor of being interviewed on the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast with Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. Fasting has been one of the things that has truly been life-changing in my never-ending quest to manage Crohn's disease. So I'm excited to be able to share the interview I did with Jen with you today. I do wanna mention that at the end of this episode, I talk about my upcoming vacation to Hawaii and my plan to both fast on vacation and try some desserts. Well, that vacation is now over and we just returned home a few days ago. In the interview with Jen, I talked about maybe trying just a few bites of my husband's dessert and then sticking with my regular diet and fasting schedule. But what actually happened when we got to Hawaii, for whatever reason, I decided to pull out all the stops. I ended up eating more than just dessert. In fact, I ate pretty much anything and everything. I followed an OMAD schedule while I was there, which is just one meal a day, and then clean fasted for the rest of the time. I really pushed my body to the brink of what it could handle, but fasting every day gave my body a chance to catch up with me. I didn't have any pain, I enjoyed all the food, and I listened to my body and fasted a little longer than 24 hours when I needed it. It's been a process to work up to the longer fasts, but it has now become second nature to me, and I love making it a part of my lifestyle. I'll be writing more about my experiences eating and fasting on vacation, and I'll share that on my blog later. But today, I hope you enjoy my interview with Jen and how fasting became a part of my current plan to fight back against Crohn's. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode 58 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Stephanie Gish. Stephanie is from New Braunfels, Texas. She does communication and design for a private school, but she also has her own podcast called Crohn's Fitness Food, and she also has a blog about her journey. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me, Jen. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am really glad to talk to you. And since you're an experienced podcaster, this should be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm it's used always to being fun. On, <laughs> I'm used to being on the other side. So hopefully it's I'm It's true. It's I'm probably <laughs> weird. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually fun whether someone's an experienced podcaster or not. But I just was, was glad to talk to you about that. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. And I always like to start off by hearing what brought you to intermittent fasting and when that was. Yeah, so my story is really a health story. And so I'm going to give a little background to kind of paint the picture and then I'll I'll tie it all back into to fasting as the time progresses. But so since it is a health story, I grew up, I kind of just want to point out, I grew up like a lot of people did eating a lot of processed food, a lot of junk food. I have a huge sweet tooth and I say all that because intermittent fasting has really helped me not only in my health journey, but improve that relationship with food. So I grew up a huge sweet tooth on that processed food. Mm-hmm. That's really important to share. And I'm, I'm glad that you are, but you know, I did the same thing. Mine was not a sweet tooth. I was more the salty processed food, mm-hmm. but yeah, everything I ate came out of a can or a box or a bag. 
Yeah. Or like a TV dinner. I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yes. TV dinners, ramen noodles, Pop-Tarts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you name it, I ate it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of my life growing up. And I was always fit and active. I did gymnastics as a kid. And then I joined the Army. So I was always kind of fit and active. And in 2000, 2001, I got into doing fitness competitions, which really, in the end, in hindsight, just completely ruined my relationship with food. <laughs> but I started doing fitness contests. And once I did that, that's when I really became obsessed with dieting. And so even though Aww. I didn't have a big weight loss journey, I completely understand when someone is coming from this life this lifetime of dieting. Because ever since I did those contests, it was always this struggle of, oh, I've gained three pounds. Now I have to lose it or I'm not as lean and now I have to diet. And so I was counting calories, counting macros, counting carbs, counting fat, just anything I could count, I was counting it. <laughs> and it really became a struggle just to feel like you had to control your body, right? Mm -hmm. And it was such a mind game to come out of a contest shape and then just come into normal everyday shape, which to most people would say you look great, but you've got this warped mindset, which I know a lot of people who struggle with their weight end up having kind of a warped mindset and this warped relationship with food. So that started in 2000 to 2001. How long did mm -hmm. you live in that that competition world? I did about three years in the competition world. I only did three contests. And then that's when I kind of had a couple of things going against me at that point. So number one, I got, I recognized that I was going into this spiral of constantly dieting and I didn't like where that was going in this warped mindset. And then I broke my foot, a bone in my foot. So I couldn't wear the six inch heels that are kind of required. <laughs> and, I can't even uh, imagine I'd be yeah. falling down all over the stage, even with no broken foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also developed Crohn's disease. And so it wasn't diagnosed at that time, but kind of in that early 2000 stage I, is when I started having trouble with food. So I grew up eating junk. I never had a problem digestive-wise eating it. But in the early 2000s, that's when I started noticing that I would get bloated. I had a lot of pain when I would eat. Lettuce was just my arch enemy number one. <laughs> so I was struggling eating a competition diet. So at that point, I was like, this is out. I'm done with all of that. And then ever since then, kind of around 2004, 2005, it was this journey and struggle to control my Crohn's disease and try and stay at a weight that I wanted to be at. But it wasn't until 2006 is when I got my official Crohn's diagnosis. Tell our audience, for those of us who don't know exactly what Crohn's disease is and how it manifests itself, tell us more about that. You know, I mm -hmm. have a, a vague understanding of it, but I bet people would really like to understand like what causes yeah. it, what are the symptoms, what does it, what does it look like day to day? Yeah. So Crohn's, I always say, is not dinner conversation. <laughs> but, That's okay. We're a health podcast. We can take it. <laughs> but it is, it's what's called an inflammatory bowel disease. And okay. so there's Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis are the two inflammatory bowel diseases. And basically, your immune system goes haywire and it starts attacking your digestive system. So for Crohn's, it can affect any part of your digestive system, they say from mouth to anus, so from start to end, okay. it can affect. Ulcerative colitis is usually limited, restricted to the colon kind of areas. So those are the slight differences, but they're both horrible. And so what happens is people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis is you'll end up getting ulcers in your digestive system. So I always kind of, in my head, I visualize it like my body's just disintegrating <laughs> from the inside out, which yeah. sounds horrible. So along it does with sound horrible <laughs> and like no fun at all. <laughs> and so with that comes the big symptoms for me that I experienced with Crohn's is just bloody bowel movements, uncontrollable diarrhea, a lot of mucus, and then it would be exacerbated by things I ate. And so lettuce, vegetables, those were all horrible foods for me to eat. And so then- So like high fiber foods kind yeah, of exacerbated it. High fiber. And sugar, even though it's not fibrous. <laughs> Chocolate, which I'm so sad, but... <laughs> yeah, that would be sad. 
<laughs> so it kind of became this game of trying to figure out what I could eat versus, you know, I didn't want to just eat bread and sugar and and then have my weight go haywire because I was still concerned with, you know, that obsessive mindset of I have to diet and I have to stay under control. So ironically, in probably I'd say 2013, 2014, I'd heard about fasting. And that was, I first heard about it kind of like this, the 5-2 diet where you right. just go two days a week and you don't eat. And I was looking at it as a way to help control my Crohn's symptoms since everything I was eating was just causing so much pain and so many symptoms. And I thought, well, let's just not eat. <laughs> maybe, right. Maybe that'll help. And so that was my first experience with fasting. But I tell you what, I did it and it was I, I did one day and not even a full day and it was so miserable and it was so hard. And at that time, which I think you've talked about it before, where there just really wasn't a whole lot of information. It's true. And so I really, I didn't read any books. I didn't really read anything other than a couple of articles on the internet about it. And then when it, I couldn't go a, a full day, I was like, well, to heck with this. This is impossible. I can't right. do it. <laughs> and I'll just figure something else out. And so I pretty much dismissed it at that point. And I never came back to it for probably four, four more years it took for me to finally come back around to it. So, so about four years, so was it about 2018 that you, yeah. So uh, right around the end of the end of 2017, kind of in the fall, I've switched my diet again and I was really focusing on eating keto. So I was eating keto right. But then I was gaining weight on keto because I love food. And so I was just eating a lot of food. Me too. That's, that was my struggle with keto. And I never felt full. That was also part yeah. of it. And so I just yeah. kept eating and eating and eating. And I didn't didn't lose any weight. <laughs> and the scale went up and up. <laughs> and so in, that's when I started playing around with keto, that's kind of when I started hearing what people would say talking about, well, you're supposed to feel full and then you can go longer without eating. And so then that's kind of where I started looking into, okay, so that's called intermittent fasting. People are doing this 16A. Some people are doing OMAD. And supposedly if I eat enough fat, I'll be full and I can go that long without eating. Well, that didn't work. I just ate all day. <laughs> and, uh, but so then it was in the back of my head. And then in January of 2018, I switched over to the carnivore diet and I was just eating meat. And then it was right. the same thing. People would talk about you're supposed to be really full and then you can just go a long time, this feast and then fast. But I never got full. Like, I don't know if there's something wrong with me, but. <laughs> See, that is I, exactly, it's, I don't think it's something wrong with you. I think that. It's just indicating that that is not what satisfies your body. And mine is 100% mm -hmm. the same way. And I completely believe all those people who feel fabulous on carnivore and keto and full and satisfied. I believe they do. And yeah. I 100% believe that you and I don't. And if yes. you talk to people within that community, they'll just say, oh, tweak it. You're not doing it right. There's something, you know, mm -hmm. swap up your macros. It, it should be like this. But we really have to listen to our bodies. And yeah, it was, I I am just like you. <laughs> if I just only ate meat, I would not be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, I'll go to, and I love meat. Like we'll go to a Brazilian steakhouse where they bring the meat to you and it's this all you can eat meat on the skewers. And then the waiters will come out and they'll compliment me on my performance. Because <laughs> I eat so much. <laughs> but you don't feel but, satisfied and full. No, I kind of, I wait till I get to the point where then too I'm full. I've eaten like six pounds of meat and then I'm too full. <laughs> yeah. It sits so. there in your stomach like a, like a big rock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's when, so in 2018, I'm playing with this whole carnivore idea and then I was still gaining weight. And finally I was like, you know what? I just have to do the intermittent fasting. Everyone's saying that you're supposed to naturally not be hungry. I was like, I just need to stick to it timeline. Like I need, I need the guidelines to say, right. this is when I can eat. This is when I cannot eat. And so it took a while. And I was, I was stressed at the time because I'd got married in 2018. And so I was trying to lose, you know, seven pounds for my wedding. 
and I just couldn't do it <laughs> because right. I wasn't clean fasting. That's the thing. Like I was still doing this carnivore, but I would have the bulletproof coffee because I love coffee and I love stuff in there. And and then I wasn't really super strict on the windows. And then I was just sticking with the 16-8, which in hindsight was not enough for me. My body needs more time off. <laughs> yeah. So finally, towards the end of towards the end of 2018, I was really doing pretty well at the intermittent fasting. It had kind of become part of my life and I was starting to really take it seriously. Still not clean fasting. I kind of just did that until honestly probably the summertime of 2019, so this year. But in 2019, this summer, I had I ended up getting some really bad fatigue. My Crohn's was acting up again. I was really fatigued. And I'd been trying to reintroduce a lot of different foods back into my diet because I eat about five foods total. So I have a very restricted diet. And so I'm trying to bring foods back in. And then my symptoms were acting up. I was really fatigued. And finally, I was like, I just need to reset. And at this point, since I'd been playing with different fasting schedules and I had really been understanding a lot more about intermittent fasting for this whole past year, I was like, all right, I think I'm ready to do some alternate daily fasting because I had worked up to doing some 24-hour fasts and I'd played with OMAD and I was starting to feel really comfortable. And so I thought, in order to help rein in my Crohn's disease and hopefully feel better, I thought I'm going to try this alternate day fasting and give this schedule a try. And honestly, that was in just August, this past August of 2019, that I really kind of created this alternate daily fasting schedule that actually allowed me to eat every day. <laughs> because, okay, so tell me, tell me how you're structuring that. So I started mid-August. And what I would do is I would eat breakfast one day. So say breakfast Monday, and then I wouldn't eat again until like dinner Tuesday. And then I do breakfast the next day, but then I would wait again until the next day and eat dinner. So from that time, from like breakfast Monday until dinner Tuesday, it ended up being about 36 hours, which is kind of the equivalent of what you would get if you just stopped eating dinner Monday, and then you didn't eat again until breakfast on Wednesday. Right, right. So you're, you're, you're just doing the timing a little bit differently. <laughs> mm -hmm. So just started to play around with the timing. And it was within a week or two that my Crohn's symptoms, they settled down because it was that blood and mucus that was coming back for me. And so those went away and my weight started, I'd lost kind of that water retention, just that bloat, because I'll, I'll fluctuate, you know, with my weight between five pounds. And, and so that went away, I was feeling leaner, and my energy came back. Like that was the most incredible thing. I was, I've ha I was having so much fatigue over the summer that I literally, I tripped walking up the stairs. <laughs> I ended up kind of tweaking my hip and then it hurt. I, probably for the next four months. Oh gosh. <laughs> but, uh, so at what point did you actually introduce the clean fasting? Was that right around the so same time? The same. Yes. And so okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked that because I did, I meant to say that that's when I finally started clean fasting. So when I got serious and I was like, I'm going to do the alternate daily fasting. And at around that time, I'd read a lot of the books. I read Jason Fung, Fung's book and Jimmy Moore, The Complete Guide to Fasting. I'd done a lot of research. And then I'd read yours over the summer too, because I think I came across the Intermittent Fasting Stories podcast first. And then I learned that you wrote a book. So I was like, well, now I have to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> and when you were talking about the clean fasting, I was like, all right, I'll do it. I'll get rid of the, the ghee in my coffee that's when I really started doing the clean fasting. So I gave up even the lime Topo Chico. I right. gave those up. So I just, it's the plain Topo Chico and the black coffee. And that really made a difference too of just, I think it was this perfect storm of, I got serious with my fasting. I think I needed the longer window of not eating and then the clean fasting. 
Yeah, because the, the longer the longer window of fasting gives you that even more digestive rest that your body yes. probably needs with your, mm-hmm. you know, with Crohn's disease. But don't, I, I don't want people to underestimate the importance of the clean fast. And sometimes mm-hmm. people get mad. And you know, I don't like to read reviews of my podcasts because you know people say all sorts of things. <laughs> but I accidentally saw one. <laughs> yesterday uh-huh. and someone was like, she just is so inflexible about the, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, first of all, sometimes those hurt my feelings. Sorry, but oh. it's, that's why I don't read them. But I'm yeah. like, I really would not insist. It's not that I'm trying to just control you and tell you what to have, but I genuinely a hundred percent believe that it makes a difference. You know, yes. I, I think that you're going to feel better. You're going to have better results. You know, you have to understand what you're trying to do during the fast and what processes you want to encourage. And I believe there's a difference in whether you're in ketosis from the foods that you're eating, like in the keto diet, or if you're having the Mm -hmm. bulletproof coffee versus ketosis, because your body's having to tap into your own stored Mm -hmm. body fat for fuel. I believe there's a difference. I mean, yes, you're producing ketones either way, you know, people are like, well, you know, the fat isn't causing insulin response or, you know, but I really mm-hmm. think it matters, which is why <laughs> I always say it. Yeah. And it does because I agree a hundred percent. The clean fasting is so important because if I know I kind of drug out my story there, but for anyone who's listening, <laughs> it was about a year that I was playing around with the intermittent fasting, but I was still doing the bulletproof coffees because that was okay. And it really was not until this past August that I saw all the benefits. Like my weight really came under control because I also didn't mention like I'm I'm 38 now, but so I just kind of over the past year, I think I'd gained seven to 10 pounds. I didn't get on the scale every time, but I think I was up to plus 10 pounds. And, and I just kind of chopped the fasting. You were gaining weight yeah. with the fasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just chalked it up to being, you know what? I'm almost 40. I'm getting older. I guess this is just what happens. So there's the extra five pounds that I can't get rid of. And it really wasn't until this past August when I started doing the clean fasting and a little bit stricter with my window of just stretching it out that fasting longer that those seven pounds like just came right off. The energy came back and it really, the clean fasting, I agree, cannot be understated. Right. And it just, people know if they've read my story that I didn't know about the clean fast, you know, the obesity code had not been released yet when I lost all of my Mm -hmm. weight. I didn't understand, you know, I was doing zero calories during the fast, but I was having all the things that spiked insulin. Mm -hmm. You know, I lost all of my weight with, with that. But then I regained just like you, you know, I regained about seven pounds and I was like, well, that's just what happens. And Mm -hmm. once I read the obesity code and understood the importance of not spiking your insulin, for me, it was the insulin, not the fat during the, during the day, but the Mm -hmm. insulin response from the sweetness, fasting completely changed. It became easy and I dropped all that weight and I haven't struggled with regain. Yeah. And I love that you say it became easy because that's one thing I've noticed is, is it has become easy. And just as I mentioned at the very, very beginning of what a huge sweet tooth I had, I'm not saying it's gone, (laughs) but it's the fast is easy and I'm able to control. I don't have the same cravings of just, I have to have something to eat just to eat. Right. Now if I'm if I'm next to a donut shop and I smell a freshly baked donut, I'm going to want the donut. <laughs> but but it's this different, it's this release of I'm actually, you know, a recovering sugar holic, <laughs> but the fasts are easy for me. I don't have to eat those things. I can make it through a 36 40 hour window and just enjoy my black coffee and enjoy a tea and it's easy and i'm not hungry i'm truly not hungry so it's pretty it's, it's amazing to me to look at where i'm at now because i've always food has always been such a big part of my life of just an obsession really of how much i love to eat and the types of food i love and to be able to sit back and and that's where i say it's improved my relationship with food because it's been so freeing. I don't have to count everything. I don't have to look at something and say, I 
cannot eat that unless it has to do with my Crohn's, <laughs> but right. that's a different, that's a different story. And so it's really just taken away a lot of stress that comes with food, which I think helps the overall picture having less stress too. <laughs> yeah. I think it frees up all that mental space. Mm-hmm. And when I was not fast and clean before I, I understood the physiology of what we want during the fasted state, I still constantly had those thoughts of food during the day, even though mm-hmm. I was quote fasting, you know, I was having the the sweeteners and the cinnamon yeah. and all that, the, the chewing gum, the sweet teas. And when I say sweet, I mean like, you know, apple cinnamon kind of thing, mm-hmm. but yeah. I was always watching the clock and, and white knuckling it to think, can I open yes. my window now? Can I open my window now? Yeah, and like 15 just, more minutes, yeah, seven yeah. more minutes. <laughs> and that all went away. Yeah. And that doesn't Same mean I still me. don't have a twinge of like, ooh, I could eat, you know, but it's easy mm-hmm. to say, nah, it's not time yet. And then move on. It's not like I don't have to white, I don't have to white knuckle it basically. Yeah. Anymore. And it passes quickly too. Yeah. I've noticed like I'll have a, like this moment of, oh, I feel hungry. And then it's literally 20 seconds later, it's like, oh, actually, I'm not hungry. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. No. Like when I get to my the bottom of my glycogen stores every day during the during the fast and I'm about to switch over into ketosis, I think I I pretty much have figured out that I get a wave of I would like to eat something now. I think that's my body saying, We're out of energy. You could send some down mm-hmm. if you want, but I don't. <laughs> and then my body's like, All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll make some ketones and then boom, I'm yeah. fine. It's just a matter of getting getting that little it's a tiny little hump and I I pretty much feel it every day and then it it's gone. Mm-hmm. Your body it's just it's like I kind of think of it like my little puppy, my dog who likes to he has to test the boundaries every day. Like, is this okay <laughs> yeah. today? Like, can I get on the couch today? Oh nope, I can't. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of what our body does, like uh, do you want to give me a, a cookie today? Yeah. You can <laughs> no, send some oh, energy no down cookie. now. <laughs> well, okay. I'll go ahead and get some somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, no, use it off my thighs. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Not today, body. We're fine. Exactly. <laughs> if I have a, a different kind of hunger, sometimes I do. Like my body will say, no, really. Today I'd like you to eat some more. And I mm-hmm. will. Like right after we moved, I was so physically active. I, I got the signal that I needed to eat you know, two meals a day for a few days. And then I did. Yeah. And there's definitely times like on the weekends, I will definitely eat more than I usually do, which sometimes my body is, sometimes it's just nice because you're being social and you're doing something and you end up just eating a lot. But sometimes your body, you can feel the difference when it's like, no, I do need more food today. It's a different kind of hunger. Yeah. And you, you learn to, to, to recognize that. And that's, I think, what's hard for people who are new and they're mm-hmm. trying to understand, you know, what's the difference between the hunger, but you really do learn how that feels to your body. The, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine versus I really need to eat today. It's, it's just, yeah. it's a subtle thing, but you learn to recognize it. And it takes a while. I know a lot of people, you'll hear stories, you know, whether you're searching on the internet or you just hear different things and you almost get this impression that, oh, within three weeks, this is supposed to be so easy and all my cravings are gone and and it's just a no brainer. But honestly, for me, it took probably this whole year of trying to figure out what the right fasting window was for me and really trying to understand that all right, I'm just eating because I'm bored and recognizing that and playing with it over the year that now finally this long into it, I finally feel like I'm at the point where it's like, yes, I know that hunger signal versus that hunger signal. And I know when I'm bored versus when I'm just hanging out around the house looking for stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it took me about two years to get to that point. But I do often think, what would it have been like differently if I had clean fasted from the beginning? Mm-hmm. You know, because that really is about the point, <laughs> about the two-year point <laughs> in is when I started fasting clean. So, you know, was it maybe a combination of both? I was used to the fasting yeah. and then boom, now I'm fasting clean. And then my body's like, okay, finally, <laughs> we can yeah. we could figure this all out. But I, I do wish I could see what it had been like if I'd been doing it the whole time. Yeah, I wonder the same thing too, honestly. And Looking back now, it's like, why couldn't I do that? It was, it's so 
easy. And I know you've mentioned you're a coffee lover and loved the accoutrements in your oh, coffee. Yeah. And I did too. And and now I'm drinking it black. One day I just said I'm going to drink it black because Jen said I needed to drink it black. <laughs> <laughs> and and I did. And it's like, this is good. And now I, I enjoy it. Plus, I f- actually find it easier because then when I go places, if I go to a restaurant or I go to a coffee shop, I don't have to have my coffee and all these specialty little things that they may or may not have. It's like, right. I'll just have a black it's coffee. It's easy. And you feel and like, easy. you know, forgive my language, you feel like a badass. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'll like, just oh, have yeah. it black. <laughs> and they're like, do you need room for, for cream? No. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> I just love I'm saying hardcore. that. Nope, yeah, I'm just going to drink it black. But no, I was like the person, I had those little bottles of vanilla cream stevia Mm-hmm. And I carried, I had one in my purse, one in my desk drawer, one in my, you know, pantry by the coffee maker area. Then I had another one in reserve in case one of them ran out. I mean, I, I swear I had like four of them at all times mm-hmm. in my well, vicinity. That reminds me of a funny story. It was probably maybe two years ago, my husband and I, we went on vacation and I was watching my diet and just because of the Crohn's and, but I was still playing with a little bit of an eating window fasting, but we went to go get coffee. And at that point, I kind of had this mindset of, I've cut out so many other things from my diet. I don't want to cut out my creamy, delicious coffee. And so we went to the grocery store and I bought like one of the little pint things of heavy whipping cream, like the little eight ounce thing, whatever that is. And I put it in my purse (laughs) because we were going to go to the coffee shop where they would they wouldn't sell me cream for the coffee. <laughs> so I had to bring my own cream. They had it. They just wouldn't put it in my coffee. I oh don't gosh. know why. So I had this B-Y-O-C, little thing of- bring your own ex- cream. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we went to go get coffee and I brought my own cream and then I was able to pour it in. But then I left this little carton of cream in my purse all day. And with all the walking that we did, by the time we got home that evening from walking, it was- it was just complete whipped cream in my purse. <laughs> That's really funny. I wondered if it had like turned into butter. You'd like churned it. Yeah. <laughs> in your purse. I pretty much had. So I was, I mean, I was, when I say I needed my coffee accoutrements, I was serious about it. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. I had cinnamon that I kept everywhere. Like I would put in the vanilla mm-hmm. cream stevia and then I would put in some cinnamon and it was really quite delicious. But <laughs> <laughs> Even if I went to Starbucks during my my eating window at that time, I would get a, a latte and I would still add more stevia. Like it didn't taste mm-hmm. right to me. And now I, I can't stand the taste of stevia, which is funny because I yeah. I like craved it. I think it did something in my brain. I don't know. That sounds crazy. But I think that it had, it was doing more than just providing the sweetness. When I cut it out completely, I had an actual withdrawal to the stevia. Mm. Like I felt like I was going through some kind of a, like a, a hangover. It, oh, it was wow, weird. Yeah. And then I, I researched it on the internet and I found other people saying the same thing. So I think it was like lighting up something in my brain more than just think, the sweetness. I think it definitely does. I mean, our our brains change, our tastes change when we don't have those constant signals of sweet or whatever it might be that's, you know, that our receptors are picking up on. But it's interesting thinking along those same lines. One thing I've noticed with doing more fasting and clean fasting really is my sense of smell and taste have been enhanced. And so I can... I can pick up on things that I don't think I would have before where there just might be a slight hint of like a chocolate aroma in the air or when I taste food, so many things are just enhanced and it actually makes eating so much more exciting. (laughs) I agree with you. It really, we, I taste things in food that, that I hadn't tasted before. And the the flavors are just like mm-hmm. wow I'm I'm really enjoying like last night I had this fabulous soup it would probably not be on the Crohn's yeah. <laughs> Crohn's it had beans and kale and yeah that's tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> but you know I'm tasting all the different flavors in there and it was just wonderful yeah and that's been it amazes me every single time and it it's constant I'm constantly picking up on flavors and smells. But every single time I'm like, this is so amazing to just, I can pick out these flavors and I can pick out the aromas. Yeah, that's great. Now talk to us 
about about your diet now. Have you been able to add some things back since doing intermittent fasting and, and finding the, the rhythm that really works well for your Crohn's management? Are you still very limited with foods? Little bit of both. I'm okay. still very limited, but here's what's exciting to me is now that I'm doing like at least a 36-hour fast without eating, I've noticed that when I can, because I've been trying to reintroduce some foods, so I've noticed that I can eat something and knowing that I have the 36 hours without eating ahead of me, it actually allows my body to reset and kind of adjust and go back to whether it's, you know, getting enough autophagy that it's able to kind of clear some of that stuff out or just reset me. And so it's actually giving me a lot more freedom and flexibility to try adding stuff back in without this fear of that I'm going to put myself into a flare-up because a flare-up is definitely not what I want to happen. (laughs) So you're less likely to experience a flare thanks to the longer time of fasting. Exactly. And it's just giving my, as you mentioned earlier, it's giving my gut that time to rest and repair. And I think having that time of not eating really does allow that autophagy to kick in to give my body that chance to start fixing itself. And there's a lot of damage that it needs to fix. So I think it, <laughs> I think it needs that longer window. I think, I think but, you're right. And you know, how exciting to think that fasting could help so many other people who have Crohn's disease, just giving mm-hmm. your body that, that time of digestive rest. And I think there's a lot of people out there that kind of end up doing it inadvertently because they, Crohn's will make you feel so horrible that a lot of times you just end up not eating. And, but it's a different mindset. I think, you know, Jimmy Moore talks about it in his books. And when he talks about starvation is when you don't know when you're going to eat, but fasting is you've set a schedule, you know, when you're going to eat and you're voluntarily doing it. And so I think that's a kind of a mind shift difference that I had from early on when I wouldn't eat just because I was going to be in pain. Now I've got this structure of, okay, I'm going to not eat for this time. I'm going to try something new and then I'll give my body time to almost get it out of the system, so to speak, but just give my body that time to rest. And and so you mentioned, or you'd asked what my diet looks like now, and it's not very varied. I eat a lot of meat because for me, I can digest that well. And it's, it varies for everyone with, with Crohn's or IBD. So I'm heavy on the meat. It's a meat-based diet, but I do eat avocados and I do eat oatmeal and some berries and my black coffee and that's pretty much the list. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That that sounds like, you know, you've got the oatmeal in there. You've got the berries in there. It sounds it's very balanced. I love avocado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like meat. I don't eat as much meat these days. Just, you know, I, I eat a lot more vegetables. And I do great mm-hmm. with grains and beans and things like that. But, you know, I'm glad you're able to put those other things back in. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm excited to try, I have an experiment planned in November, which I think will be after, before this airs, after, before something. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> but, yeah uh, this will air in early December. <laughs> but in November, my husband and I are going to take a trip to Hawaii. And normally when we go on vacation, I just don't eat anything other than meat. I just don't, I only eat my safe foods. Yeah, you don't want to risk but it on vacation. Kind of ex- exactly. Yeah. But I'm kind of excited because I think what I'm going to do is a lot more of the longer fasts, even when I'm on vacation. I'll just enjoy my coffee and maybe a glass of wine <laughs> instead of food. Be Not careful. so much clean fasting, I know. <laughs> but when my husband... My husband will always order dessert. So I'm thinking what I'll do is I'll take a bite of his dessert because I don't normally eat dessert and I miss it. So I'll eat a bite of his dessert and then I'll just fast for 
20, 30 hours and see what happens. <laughs> well, see what happens. Be, be, you know, pay attention to if you start feeling like a blood sugar crash, because I feel like I would, yeah. if I were to be fasting and then have, have a bite of dessert, I think that might would be aware if you start to feel shaky. Well, nauseous. I'll eat food okay. with him. Okay. If I do, when I, when I do eat his oh, dessert, I but normally eat and then have like a little dessert eat with it. And then okay. have like a bite of dessert. only going to have a bite of dessert. Yes. <laughs> No, I should have clarified. I'm okay. going to eat my dinner, okay. but my dinner is usually just I'll stick with like a ribeye and avocados, and then I don't eat sugar. I don't okay. eat the dessert because that's one thing that triggers the Crohn's. And so I'm hoping that maybe I'll use this vacation as an experiment because a vacation you're supposed to go and enjoy yourself and right. you eat all have the delicious things. And so maybe I'll eat my steak and then I'll take a bite of his dessert and see if I can enjoy that vacation feel of have something sweet, but then give myself that long. I know that if I can go 30, 36 hours, my body should reset and hopefully it won't make me miserable on vacation. <laughs> well, I'm going to cross my fingers for you and let me know how that yeah. works out because you do want to have a little bit more of a vacation feel. Yeah. So what has your doctor said about the combination of intermittent fasting and Crohn's disease? Have you talked talked about it? No, only because I have a new doctor. Okay. <laughs> and so the previous doctor, I've gone through a couple of different doctors, just not because for any particular reason other than they just, uh, my first doctor was a regular gastroenterologist. And so when the hospital finally got a Crohn's IBD specialist, my doctor at that point was like, I'm going to pass you over to this new doctor because he's a specialist in IBD. And so that way you'll just get, you know, better knowledge and care there. Unfortunately, I didn't have him very long because he was, um, he was only there for about a year and then he moved back home and went away. So that was just over this past summer. And then I got my new gastroenterologist who I've met her once for my colonoscopy uh, <laughs> over the summer, ah. but that was our that was our introduction. I'll meet with her later this week. I'll have an actual appointment where I can talk to her about some of these different things that I've done. But but my first gastroenterologist that I had way back before he moved me over, he was actually very open to my dietary experiments, and it was just kind of this mindset that. I will support you and, you know, do what you feel like you need to do and know that we're here, you know, this clinic, we're here that if you get into trouble, <laughs> we're going to be there uh, to catch you when you fall. But so he was real open-minded. And now that I'm doing the intermittent fasting seriously, I am interested to find out or to just hear what my new doctor is going to what her take on it is going to be. So you are going to tell her, you're going to tell her yeah. how it's, that's good. And, you know, I'm, I'm so curious as to whether she'll say, yes, I know all about intermittent fasting and that's great. Mm -hmm. Or whether you'll be teaching her something new. Yeah. It's always, it's a, it's kind of a 50, 50 shot there, but I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of reaction she's going to have and optimistic that it'll be, you know, a good one. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you can't, you can't argue with results and how good you feel. Mm -hmm. And the fact and that you're like, you're not having, like, when's the last time you had a flare? Probably I think August, right before I started doing the, the alternate daily fasting because in, and really it started because my colonoscopy was in July. And then she told me, she's like, well, you need to have more fiber in your diet. And since she was a new doctor for me, I was like, all right, I'll try just so I can say I tried and it didn't work because I knew it wasn't going to work. Right. You <laughs> so, know your body. I know my body, but I wanted to be a good patient and I wanted to at least put in the effort. And so it was around July that I started, I took the fiber supplements and that was a bad idea. And then I thought, well, let me try and bring in some fibrous vegetables and maybe the real food will help. And then that was a bad idea. And then I thought, let me have some fibrous fruits. <laughs> and, and that was a bad idea. And so it was probably three, four, five weeks of trying all these different foods. And then early August, I just went into a mini flare. And it was the first time I'd had one in many, many years. And it was just this urgent diarrhea that you can't control. And this mucus came back where, I mean, you just 
kind of feel like your intestines are just shedding. Yeah. And, and then it, the it's like a total inflammatory back. response, right? Mm-hmm. It is. Yep. And then the blood was back. And uh. so that was just in August. And I was like, and I'm not on medications right now. And so I was kind of like, oh gosh, did I, did I really do myself in? Am I going to have to go get some sort of medication again that I don't want to be on? But if I have to, I will. And I thought, let me do this alternate daily fasting. I'm going to do it, give my body the time to rest. And it worked. So wonder. I, I didn't I also, have to call. You know, <laughs> here I am again, wondering how much of the clean fasting also helped with that, because mm-hmm. I was really hoping you would say your last flare was prior to you switching to the, yeah. the longer. Yeah, fast it was. And the clean fast. And just, yep. I, you know, just that, that that's more digestive rest. Yes. You know, not and having I, to deal with that, the ghee. Yeah. My body, I think it really just needs that because, you know, you think about it and the minute you start eating something, whether it's just fat, you know, the bulletproof coffee, or if it's your insulin spiking, the minute you start telling your body to do something, then it has to stop all the other repair and fixing that it could have been doing or maybe was starting to do. And so I think just giving my body that time to just say, 100% fix yourself (laughs) right right (laughs) has made a difference and it's really been be happy you've got the the avocado the oatmeal the berries that's fiber exactly (laughs) (laughs) you've added more fiber I think things like I'm I'm just so curious just because I'm such a potato girl I do so well with potatoes potatoes don't work well at all for you I thought they used to, and then I tried them again, and they did not work well. And that's kind of the interesting thing with Crohn's is there's a lot of foods that they'll they'll be fine for a while, and then all of a sudden they're not fine anymore. Yeah, so it's just a matter of really paying attention to your body. I'm just sad because I'm sad anybody who can't eat potatoes because they're like my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm more sad about the chocolate, but (laughs) Uh, so you can't do chocolate, chocolate. No, and I. I keep trying and my body keeps telling me, we don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> Darn like it, I'll body. even I even do the ninety-five percent dark chocolate, yeah. which you know, I tried that years and years and years ago and I was like, Oh, this is a horrible. There's no sweetness to it. But now that my tastes have evolved and I've cut out so much sugar and everything, the ninety-five percent tastes good to me, but I'll taste it and it's like, ah, it's I get crampy and oh pain yeah, that's not just not worth work, it. See, so. isn't it hard being an adult like this and realizing that <laughs> I don't want to feel like that, so I have to not yes. do this. <laughs> well, and kind of along the same lines, the I've actually this past week I've started tweaking my window, my fasting window, because I've noticed that I got a I got an Apple Watch like two months ago. So I've been tracking my sleep. And I've noticed on the days that I'm fasting, I have really good sleep. Oh, I have wow. This, you sleep this better beautiful- in the fasted state. I I do. That's what the data shows. So okay. I get this heart rate dip and the research shows that you're supposed to have like a 20, 25% dip in your heart rate when you sleep, and that's better for your heart health in later years. And so I've been tracking it on my watch, and on the days that I fast, I have this beautiful 20, 25% heart rate dip, and I get the green light like, good. <laughs> wow. And then the days that I eat dinner, even if it's like 5 p.m., if I go, if I eat and then I, you know, then I sleep. The next day, my heart rate rises while I'm sleeping. It'll rise or not dip at all. And so I get this big red, you know, this was bad. So what I've, and then I've noticed I don't feel well. This is what made me think of it when you said, you know, we get older and we recognize what doesn't make us feel good. So I started putting this pattern together and recognizing when I eat late, I have bad sleep. And then I just don't feel well when I wake up. I just feel more exhausted and and just sluggish and almost hungover even if I didn't drink anything. So that's so this so, week it's I was fascinating. Like, I love the data. Yeah, I do too. I'm a big data person. <laughs> yeah. So this week I thought I'm gonna try something different. And so so far so good, but I'm basically what I'm doing now instead of like normally I'd eat breakfast on Sunday dinner Monday, breakfast Tuesday, dinner Wednesday. So now I'm just switching everything and I'm doing like a 
breakfast, lunch on Sunday, and then I don't eat again until Tuesday breakfast. So it ends up being like a 40-hour fast this time. But then I'm getting my meals in early because I feel – I, I don't have to wake up and feel bad the next day when I have that late, late night I think meal. that might be a great strategy for you because I didn't talk about this earlier because your case is a little different with the Crohn's and you're trying to manage mm-hmm. that and really maximizing your time in the fasted state. But I generally recommend if you're doing an alternate day fasting pattern after a longer fast, you need to have that up pattern where you eat a little bit more versus, mm-hmm. you know, one meal a day after a long fast. I think that you're more likely yeah. to have that metabolic slowdown if you're not eating enough after the the fast. So if you're able to do true alternate daily fasting with like two meals the early window, breakfast, lunch, and then zero meals, and then two meals, and then zero meals, you may find a metabolic advantage to that. That's what I'm hoping. That's kind of what you're doing there, right? Two meals, zero meals. exactly. Yep. I would really recommend that just metabolically. Yeah, which is good to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I'm on to something. No. <laughs> I, well, I think so. I just, I do think, you know, we always talk about how fasting is protective of metabolism, and it is. But mm-hmm. that being said, you can get into the point if you're fasting and then having, a, you know, a smaller meal or not, not a lot to eat, then continuing the fast. I do think eventually your body's like, well, we're not really getting a lot of food. Let's slow things down just a mm-hmm. little bit versus, yeah. you know, the true up day, the eating the more. So yeah, I, yes. I, I feel better about that pattern. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm glad that's experimenting with that. But you know, the the idea that you sleep better when you're fasted is is great to know. See, I'm the opposite. I mm-hmm. if I'm fasted, I'm just like wide awake and energetic and like in the middle of the night thinking I could go arrange my closet now. Yeah. <laughs> going to vacuum the house. So. Yeah, I need to get up and scrub the baseboards. They're so dirty. <laughs> but, you know, it's really knowing ourselves because I don't sleep yeah. well unless I have an eating window and you don't sleep well when you do have an eating window. Mm-hmm. So you've got the power to adjust for you and I've got the power to adjust for me. And there is no one size fits all. Yeah. And that's what's so amazing is it's so adaptable to each and every one of our lifestyles. And I love that you're getting this out there in the Crohn's community too, you know, that this is a legitimate strategy. You're not starving yourself. You're, you're healing, you're doing better, you know, just the period of time that you're not having a flare is so important. Did you hear the other podcast episode that I had with someone with Crohn's disease? No, I did not. Gosh, I can't remember right off the top of my head. Sorry, I can't remember what episode. I have to go find it. Must have been one of the early ones. Yeah, I did have an episode where someone else talked about dealing with Crohn's disease. I just can't off the top of my head. Now that we're on episode fifty-eight, yeah, starting the the names. (laughs) They're running together. Pop in, and some of them don't. But there is an earlier episode. Someone with Crohn's disease found great relief. So, oh, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Now, I, I reckon since you have a blog and a podcast, you you probably share what you're doing in your everyday life with people as well. Is that true? Or do you kind of keep intermittent fasting close yes. to you? Nope. I definitely try to share it. So in my blog, and I just finished a blog post I put up a couple of weeks ago that really talked about this new strategy of the alternate daily fasting and how it helped to bring me out of this flare. I think it's with Crohn's, it's just, it's one piece of the puzzle because they, they still don't know what causes Crohn's and it's just kind of this mix of genetics and environment and some sort of trigger. So we don't know what causes it. There's no one size fits all solution. And and just like dieting, there's no magic bullet. But I truly believe the intermittent fasting has been a huge game changer in just allowing me to control my symptoms and my flare-ups. So yes, I it's a long answer to saying I do write up about all the different things I experience and my diet, what that might be at the time or what my fasting schedule might look like at the time. And I try to just put it out there because I really do value just people being able to share their stories. And so that's one of the reasons why I love your podcast is because it's it's individual people sharing their own experience and sharing their stories. Because over the years, I have gained so much 
just knowledge and insight and things to try from reading the stories of other people of what they've been doing, what might have helped them. And I've been able to take that and adapt it to my own journey and try to figure out how I can navigate it better and what I can do. So I yeah, do I put it all important. out there just for that. I, I'm, I believe in that too, because people can learn from our experiences and realize that they're empowered. You know, they know I don't want them to copy my experience and think that mm-hmm. it's going to universally be the answer for them exactly, you know, the way I do it. You know, if you ate exactly like me, you would be sick and feel awful and yeah. it wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we both can do intermittent fasting and we yes. both can tailor it to suit, you know, our specific mm-hmm. needs. Since Crohn's disease is, you know, an inflammatory response, it's an autoimmune disease. One of the things we know about fasting is that it is great for addressing all sorts of inflammatory mm-hmm. conditions and autoimmune diseases. So, yes, I think for anyone who, you know, whether you have Crohn's or something else going on, this could be a part of your your arsenal to combat that. Yes. I want to shout it from the rooftops to yeah. everybody. Just fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple. You know, tweak it till it's easy, I like to say. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. don't be afraid to experiment with your timing. You know, fast clean. I am going to keep saying that. So all the people who, yes. who are irritated by that. I, <laughs> you know, I'm 100% do what works for you, except that if you want to fast, I think you really need to fast, you know. <laughs> yes. Yep. And, I agree. <laughs> and fasting is fasting and, and having stuff, you know, that's not fast. So that's really what I think. And I don't apologize for, for having that thought. Yep. I, I do think that it is an amazing strategy. You know, this fasting in some way yeah. or another can help so many people. It's a powerful tool. It's powerful. And, you know, whether we have someone who's talking about binge eating disorder or Crohn's disease or alcoholism or type 2 diabetes or so mm-hmm. many different things, you know, pain issues, you know, and the, and the common thread is fasting has helped me solve this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time. So now that we're at the end, you know, (laughs) I like to ask, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? I have two things I thought I would mention real quick, and that is don't feel like you have to jump into the deep end because that's what I did way back in 2013, 14 when I was first giving it a try. It was like all or nothing. So don't feel like you have to jump in the deep end. Start slow, skip snacking, skip a meal. And then just as we were talking about, don't be afraid to keep tweaking it and find that pattern that works for you. I'm still tweaking what I do after all this time and things can in your life can change and adjust. So let fasting adjust with it. Find what works because it does and you can adjust it. I love that. That's really good advice. So tell listeners how they can find you one more time, all the places they can find everything Stephanie yeah. and hear about your journey and listen to your podcast. <laughs> So it's it's pretty easy. I have a website and it's Crohn'sFitnessFood.com. And that's because I pretty much talk about Crohn's fitness and food. <laughs> and my my podcast is also Crohn's Fitness Food. You can find that wherever podcasts are available. And then on Instagram, I'm also at Crohn's Fitness Food. We didn't even really get into the whole fitness and how you how you incorporate fitness. <laughs> Yeah. We just now stopped. it's just easy. Okay, good. <laughs> I just good. move. <laughs> it's easy. I move, do some squats, like go to the bathroom, do ten squats, do ten push ups. You just fit it in. Move around. You know, you don't I have to do yeah. Well that's fabulous. Especially from yeah. someone who was in the you know, the fitness competition industry. You're yeah. just like low key making it fit your life, but you're still I bet you're very strong and healthy and powerful. Yeah. Just being active, finding little things throughout the day to be active and pick up heavy things and just use your body. Yeah, that's very much my philosophy. Picking up a giant flat of San Pellegrino, I'm like, all right, I'm curious. I'm engaging (laughs) my muscles. I use that example all the time because that's probably the heaviest thing I pick up. But (laughs) It can be heavy. (laughs) I bought a new chair the other day. I'm sitting in it now. I had a stool for my podcast room and it made my back cramp up. Oops, but I got a new chair and I'm carrying it through the store. Look at me. Well, you might be... you might be a little jealous of me. I'm actually sitting on the floor of my wine cellar, Ooh. and this is where I'm recording our podcast. Fabulous. <laughs> 
I do like the sound of a wine cellar. <laughs> yes, I thought you might. <laughs> yeah, I really do. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. And everybody, look up Stephanie, listen to her podcast, and I will talk to you later. Thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate the opportunity. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn'sFitnessFood or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.